we doing today? We all right? Hey, everybody watching online, it's great to see you today, too. Uh, can we just give it up for the people who are uh, taking in our service today from a distance? We know that a lot of people, um, they're not just lazy. They're actually a lot of people who are sick or a lot of people who are distant, and they just uh, want to be connected to the church family. And this, this is awesome that we get to do this and still be a part of the same thing together. Um, hey, have you ever uh, been to a... a a museum or a monument where there were just a ton of, uh, of names, a list of names. Uh, this past week, I found myself uh, here in Kansas City, really close to the Liberty Memorial, and decided to like check it out. See, what it, was, and it was incredible to see the World War One sort of the, the names of, of all all of the people involved here uh, with World War One. And um, sometimes we see movies and we stay through the credits because you're crazy, and uh, you see all of these names trickling up the screen, and it's just another memorial. It's a, it's a way for people to get recognition for the work that they've done. Um, we've been talking as a church over the past couple of, of weeks through the memoir of a guy named Nehemiah in the Bible, and God gave Nehemiah a, a, a monumental dream, a God-sized dream, and only God can do this type of dream, that uh, he was supposed to go back to his city, Jerusalem, and help bring about urban renewal, about flourishing of his city. And the way he was supposed to do that was by helping provide the basic necessity of safety for uh, an ancient uh, city by rebuilding a wall. And so Nehemiah goes back and he um, does this monumental thing. And we found ourselves today in Nehemiah chapter 3. I'd love to invite you to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. Spoiler alert, what you're going to find when you open your Bibles, which you should do, uh, when you get there, you're going to find just a list of names. <clears throat> now, true confession time. How many people, when you read the Bible, you get to a list of names, you just skip it? I do the same thing. You're in good company. We've got it together. Uh, how many people, you read every single name? You liars. <laughs> right. Um, I think that God's got something really incredible for us to learn from Nehemiah chapter 3 today. Um, some of the heroes in, in, in preaching that I've read and I've studied, um, one of them in particular, he wrote an entire book on Nehemiah. And when he came to chapter 3, you know what he did? He just skipped it. He just went from chapter 2 to chapter 4. And I thought... Yeah, let's do the same thing here at Heartland. And then, and then something happened. I started reading chapter 3, and I realized that it's, it's different than just the back of a shampoo bottle. You know, have you ever tried to read what's in the back of a shampoo bottle? Like all the stuff that you're putting on your body, in your hair. You can't pronounce any of the stuff on the back of the shampoo bottle. And yet you use it anyway. You trust that what's there is good for a reason. It's to be helpful for you. And, and I want to let you just know a little secret today. I'm treating Nehemiah chapter 3 like it's the back of the shampoo bottle. It, something is in here that we really need to see. Something's in here that we really got to know about. And I actually think if we come to this uh, looking to, for God to give us what it is, uh, we'll, we'll see something incredible. And, and just let me give it to you from the start. If you stood by the monument and read all the names, if you stayed through the movie and read all the names, you realize this one fundamental truth about a God-sized dream or a monumental moment. It, it, here, here it is. Every dream has a team. Every dream has a team. That's so good. You probably need to say it out loud with me, don't you? Every dream has. Now, I'm not talking about the dream team, which for those of you who are like raised in the 90s, you know what that is. It's not that trash that they're peddling today with whoever's playing basketball. It's like the OG. Space Jam was made by, made by Michael Jordan. All right, let's just get that out there. All right. Um, yeah, there was one applause. No, this is not going to be a moment, you guys. This is, this is, not, this is about Jesus, not about Jordan. Uh, but but every, every dream has a team. And as you stand by these monuments, as you watch these films, you really, you realize something incredible is, is that no great thing comes about by the singular effort of one person. Let's jump into Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. We'll get 
the gist together. Okay, um, here's how it starts. You all with me today? You want to see the team? Yeah. All right. All right. <clears throat> Eliashib. <laughs> if, you're, if you need a child name, this is a good one too. Uh, by the way, the lady that had um, that, that kick when I said Hakaliah, she named her kid Isaiah. Total missed opportunity. <laughs> Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt, check this out, the sheep gate. Fascinating. I mean, isn't that fascinating? It's riveting. You want to wake up in the morning, get some coffee and read that. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred. Sounds like a Lord of the Rings thing. The Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section and Zachur, the son of Imri, built next to them. The Jeshana Gate was repaired by Joiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, son of Besodeiah. It's good how I'm doing great with these names, isn't it? Isn't it? Can you pronounce these names? Okay. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and its bars in place. Okay, that's uh, verse 1 through 6. Let's kind of skip to the end here. It says this, above the horse gates, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. I just want you to maybe underline, take note of that. Next to them, everybody say next to them. Yes. Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite of his house. Everybody said? Next to him. Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. And then next to him, Hananiah, the son of Shemaliah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zaleph, repaired another section. <clears throat> Next to them, Meshulam, son of Bekriah, made repairs opposite of his living quarters. Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate. And as far as the room above the corner and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. All right, now everybody, I just feel like we need to give ourselves a round of applause because we kind of did it. We made it through Nehemiah chapter 3. If you're watching online, you did it. Good job. Um, here, here's what I want you to know about this. It's actually, it's really systematic. If you couldn't tell how thorough Nehemiah was being in his memoir about taking notes of every single person, every section of the wall, he actually started at the northmost point, the sheepscape, which is where the sheep would come in and out of the town. And um, he actually worked his way all the way around the east, all the way down to the south, all the way down to the west, and he ended with the last gate there. Uh, Nehemiah was a systematic historian. He was very thorough in the way that he kept records so that we could benefit from it. But if you're like me and you read Nehemiah chapter 3 today, you might be like, well, what's all the, what's all the fuss? Why such the thorough reading? And why are we even wasting time on a Sunday to actually even talk about this? Well, I think there's a couple things that stand out to us when God gives us a dream that is to bless the community. There's a couple principles that Nehemiah chapter 3 show us that I think if we just skipped over, we'd miss out on this whole entire thing that's really incredible. The first thing that we see from Nehemiah chapter 3 is this is that uh, when every dream has a team, here's what, it, here's what it means, that no one does the whole thing. Did you catch that? No one did the whole thing. This, this wall that protected the city back in this day, um, this wall was about two miles all the way around. If you just drew it out, it'd take you about two miles worth of material. It was split into 42 sections. And, and some people, like some of the priests that we read, they just did what was in front of them. They just did like... 
you know, what their house had to look at. You know, they're like, well, if this is going to change the landscaping, I might as well make it pretty. And so some people just did what was in front of them. Others did whole sections of the wall, different pieces. And, and here's what I want you to see is that no one actually completed the whole entire thing. When I was in seminary uh, learning about Nehemiah, I, I learned that Nehemiah built a wall and I actually thought Nehemiah did the whole thing himself. But surprise, there's a whole entire chapter that shows us that Nehemiah actually doesn't say that he touched the wall at all. Nehemiah had a team to accomplish the dream. And so many people worked together and put, pitched in together to make sure that they could get this accomplished. And if, 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 ever, if this dream had a team, I think it also had a coach. And that coach is not Andy Reid, it's actually Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the only person I think that could ride around the, the city gates and, and ride around the city wall and make sure that every part was getting closed, every part was, was, was being served. I wondered if, um, you know, such a huge monumental task with so many miles apart, if the people who were working on the west side of the wall and the people who were working on the east side of the wall ever crossed paths to compare building methods or figure out how to do this together. I wonder if um, the people on the north side of the wall were like, well, we're building ours really good, but those people on the south side, oh, I don't even know if they're doing anything. In such a huge monumental task, there's only one person who could have had the whole picture in mind. It was Nehemiah. And, and it actually kind of encourages me. Because I think about us today. I think about Heartland today. I think about our church today. Let's just take us as an example. And sometimes in church life, we can get really discouraged because we invest ourselves into one part of the job, one part of the project, one part of the monumental dream. We get really invested, really involved. We kind of understand that one part of this wall really, really well. In fact, it's the part of the wall that our house looks at. We know every brick. We know every, every story, everything that was a part of it. And yet we look around and sometimes we can get so invested in our own thing that we forget to realize that there's a whole big thing going on that we're a part of. And isn't it true in church world sometimes that we can get really like off kilter because we think we're the only ones who are actually doing the work? Yeah, I've had my own moments of bitterness in life as I was a high school pastor thinking no one in the church is doing as much as I am. And I think what Nehemiah 3 reminds us of is that nobody does the whole thing. This as a team. So I don't know, if you're, if, you're, if you're serving here at Heartland and you kind of feel like maybe you're the only one working, I wanna encourage you, not even myself or Brad or Craig or any of our pastoral team actually sees the entire picture. There's only one person who's the coach of this thing and he sees it all and he knows it all and he's the one helping us get it done. There's a second thing that I see here as well is that um, there's a, a bunch of names and then there's occupations, right? So Nehemiah starts with the priest and then he kind of ends all the way around the goldsmiths and the merchants. And um, this is a long list of people who are doing the job, but you know what's actually missing? Um, here, here's what I want to say. No one was a carpenter. In this list of people who are doing the job, not one person was a carpenter who was fit to do the work. Who were they? They were priests who had theology degrees. They were musicians who, let's be honest, they had dainty hands. And then they were goldsmiths who worked with fine jewelry. How many of you, you want to build a retaining wall in your backyard? You're going to call me. How many of you, you're going to like build a pool? You're going to call our worship team. How many of you, you're going to, you're going to build something on your property? You call up, uh, you know, the, the Hellsberg Diamonds to come out and like do some of the fine craftsmanship, right? No. No, it, it actually, um, isn't the, the, the bigger problem in Johnson County that when we want to build something, we just hire somebody out to do it for us? Oh, come on, don't act all self-righteous. 
Y'all know that if you were building a wall in your backyard, you'd be like, yeah, I ain't doing that. Hey, who can I call? Landscaping, let's do that. And yet, um, not one professional in the field and they all got busy serving together. I love that. Because when there's a dream, it takes a team. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, it takes a team. Let, let's talk about the work for a second. What was the job? The job was to restore the wall. And, and then how did they do it? Well, actually, the, the job was, was pretty hard. See, when the wall had been toppled over just 100 years prior, the enemy who came in and ransacked the place didn't just like take the boulders down and put them next to where they'd go so they could just be put back up. Now, Jerusalem is built on a pretty steep hill. And historians tell us that the way that this wall was ransacked was actually by force pushing it down the cliff. So you can imagine these massive boulders sitting for decades at the bottom of this cliff. Who knows what is trapping it? They're scorched by fire. These are the same exact rocks that used to form the wall in the first place. I think one of the mistakes that we make when we think about rebuilding something is, is that, you know, sometimes God uses new material to build old things. But actually, in Nehemiah's day, he had to use the old material to build the new thing. He had to go down and send his people down into the pit to bring up those rocks, to then put them in place. And it was hard, laborious work. They had tried this for decades. And here came Nehemiah with all this timber and with all of these horses and with all this stuff. And if you were a Jerusalem citizen in that day, you might have been tempted to say, great plan, Nehemiah, you do it. You seem to be like the one who's most qualified to build this wall. And yet, even while no one was a carpenter, they all got to it. I wonder, um, I wonder about us here in a church setting. I, man, I, I've been a pastor now for over a decade and, you know, let me just talk real for you. I love church people, <clears throat> sort of. Love you because um, you've got such potential in you. You've got such a gift that God's given you. I believe that each and every person here has been gifted by God. Um, but sometimes we punt our gift back to the professionals. Sometimes the mindset in churches is that, well, we pay you to do that thing, so why don't you go do that thing? And we forget that while um, maybe, maybe I have a degree, um, there is no such thing as a professional Jesus follower. Like that, that's a weird category. That doesn't, doesn't actually exist. <laughs> actually, um, here at Heartland, not one person could do everything here. And not one person is a professional here. I, I love this about our church. I, I hope you see this. I hope you know kind of where I'm going with this. But at Heartland, you don't have to be a professional uh, barista to make the coffee. But isn't the coffee good? Okay, all right. That's my snobbery coming out. You know, the roastery made that for us. Roasted that blend for us. That's a Heartland blend right there. It's a good cup of coffee. Now, let me give you one more time. Isn't that good coffee? Yeah. yeah. You know who made it? Not professionals. And uh, you don't have to be a professional musician even to, to lead worship. I mean, all these people are really skilled, aren't they? Not professionals. And, you know, you don't have to be a professional distractor to serve in our kids' ministry with toddlers to keep them... Learning about Jesus. And you don't, you don't actually have to be a, you don't, this is crazy to me. You, at Heartland, you don't even have to be a professional door holder to welcome people into church. Did you know that? You can actually hold that door without a degree. It's incredible. Some churches, they put you through a class. Us, we're like, no, nah, you're a human. Be a human. 
do your thing. Welcome people. And you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be a professional pastor to actually share Jesus' love with people. Actually, the dream that we have here is that on this team, there would be no such thing as a professional. Because in this day, we see this, that good things happen when people work together using the gifts that they have just right there in front of them. See, what Nehemiah and his community did is that they actually worked hard. They sweat. They pulled the rocks out of the pits. They put them back together. They stacked them up. Some people did big sections. Some people did little sections. But nobody did the whole thing. And, and, and nobody was a professional. But, but they, got, they got through it. Everyone jumped in. And this is actually the third thing. It is actually, um, here's what I want to show you from Nehemiah chapter 3. So far, so good. We with, you with me? So far, so far you're with me, right? No one does the whole thing and no one's a, no one's a carpenter. Uh, the last thing is this. Except for the nobles of Tekoa, no one sat out. How many of you have ever been on a group project? In high school, um, do you remember those group projects that were essentially like permission for you to slough off and leave it to the really smart kid to do everything? How many of you were the smart kid? Yeah, you're still bitter about the group projects. We get it. <clears throat> Thank you for the grades. It's kind of common in our world that when we divide up tasks, there's always this route towards easiness. But um, not so with Jerusalem, not so with the Israelites, not so with Nehemiah's crew. Everyone got involved except for the people listed in verse 5. And I just want to call this out. I think it's so bold of Nehemiah. I think it's just so incredible of him to list all the people that helped. And then he singles out this one group of people who would not help. Look, look at what he says. He says, the next section was prepared, uh, repaired by the men of Tekoa. Everybody say Tekoa. Doesn't that sound like Toyota's next truck? But their nobles, listen to this, their nobles would not put their shoulders into the work under their supervisors. The King James Version, the oldest version of English uh, that we have says they would not put their shoulder to the work of their Lord. I, um, I'm coaching six-year-old kids in baseball right now, fall ball. And aside from my just total angst with parents in Johnson County, it's been a great experience. Dear Lord, help. The season's over tomorrow. We've got one last game. Um, our record is like one and nine. 